This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am here today with all of our lifetime clients. And so what we do with this is we go over some advanced topics, basically, where, um, you know, it might be somebody that, uh, you know, is kind of confused about something and, and wants to talk about kind of a bigger idea. And so the two topics that, that I'm going to run through, if you're following these podcasts and you're looking to join Eat Reform, uh, the easiest way to do that is to go to eatreform.com and then you can talk to a coach and uh, that coach will actually walk you through your, your specific plan and uh, you can choose whether you want a free trial or a meal plan to get going. So, all right. So I want to talk about something. I know for many of you who've been around for sometimes years and years and years, you know, you don't have the preconceived notions related to carbohydrates that some people that are new to eat reform um, come in with. But I still think it's important for everyone to sort of understand the basic idea, right? So if you're, let's say, you know, listening to this podcast for the first time, you know, you might have some thoughts related to, um, dieting and, and dieting principles and eating clean and it's a lifestyle and things of this nature. At, at the end of the day, dieting is, is really simple and it actually gets more simple if you do it correctly. And correctly is the phase where you're not dieting, right? So I'm going to talk a little bit about what it looks like for some of you folks that, um, aren't extreme exercisers. I want you to know what it looks like when you are an extreme exerciser and when you're really pushing the top end of those calories, right? So when people say, oh, this is a lot of carbs, um, one, mostly eat reform is a moderate intake of carbs, right? So when you look at people talking about the carbohydrates, usually they're coming from like 30 carbs a day or 50 carbs a day. So if you're doing 50 carbs a day, you know, 100 and, uh, 110 carbs seems like a lot or even, even 189, right? Something like that. What I think people sleep on is the fact that fats are actually pretty high, right? So I'm gonna give you some examples, two examples, that most people don't think of. When people talk about carbohydrates, they're not typically just talking about simple sugars, right? There's other carbohydrates in that mix, right? Like if you think about it, you don't consume refined sugar raw, not typically, right? I mean, I remember as a young kid in Louisiana, there was sugar cane all around me. Right. And we would eat that. <laughs> um, but but even even after a while, it just gets it just gets, you know, overwhelming. Right. Having refined sugar a lot of the time. And so when you look at how people actually consume calories, you know, they often sleep on the fats that they they eat and don't really recognize the role that that plays. So let me give you two very common things that people use all the time. Right. So Dunkin' Donuts, a glazed donut, 99 
of the 240 calories comes from fat. Chunky Monkey ice cream. This is for a serving, right? So, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen like a pint of Ben and Jerry's, but there's like 18 servings, you know, in that little pint. Um, 225 grams of fat, 100, not, not grams of fat, but calories from fat in a serving, 164 carbs, right? So people don't focus on, when we talk about hyper palatable foods and foods that, that, you know, you're eating and you can consume very quickly. It's not just the carbohydrates, it's the sodium and the, the fats that make them hyper palatable, right? And that's really important, right? Because I was listening to this podcast and there were two in, uh, NFL players and they were kind of going back and forth. And one was very well known for, um, for eating really super clean, right? And the other, and actually the super clean one is a guy named Brandon Marshall. And Brandon um, is a bigger wide receiver, right? So he struggled staying small to be a wide receiver in the NFL. The other person was Chad Ochocinco, right? They do a podcast together. Now, Chad is naturally smaller, right? And has to work to be bigger. So when you get hit by somebody in the NFL, you don't collapse and die, right? So Chad's argument is that the reason why he did so well in the NFL was because he ate so much McDonald's, right? And so he ate hyper palatable foods virtually every single day to power all these amazing workouts, right? And then Brandon Marshall, as an example, had to do the opposite because he was always trying to make weight and and them not to turn him into uh, a tight end, right? Where you would have to block and do all these other things that wide receivers would rather not do. And most people that listen to it, they think that Chad is joking and Chad is not joking. Chad is being very serious that, that he does this. I was at a I was at a conference with um, a fellow by the name of James Townsend, and he was uh, he was a wide receiver at the University of Iowa, and he played I think three or four years in Chicago. And we're doing this this thing, and, and he stood out. I mean, we're we have elite athletes everywhere. He stood out more than anybody else because he was working out the whole time, right? So, you know, we go to lunch together. And he's like, hey, man, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing, but uh, is there any way we can go to McDonald's? <laughs> and I mean, if you Google James Townsend right now, what you're going to see is someone that has abs the size of biceps, right? He is the most freakish looking guy, you know, in terms of body composition you'll ever see. And the reason why is because he works out a lot. You know, I think, you know, I actually follow him on social media and, and, you know, we talk from every now and again. And I think some of that has kind of been pulled back. Right. Because, you know, as you start to not have the incentives to be an NFL player, you know, you 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 know, you're going to mix in a salad here and there. Right. And that's fine. You know, 
Um, but I think I think there's this idea, you know, and you're starting to see this that you know NFL players. Um, well, here's a great example. People often talk about inflammation, right? And they equate inflammation or their body weight going up with, you know, unprocessed food or um, highly processed foods, things of this nature, right? And, and, and that's somewhat true, right? There's inflammation and then there's chronic inflammation, right? Chronic inflammation is where you're overconsuming all the time and you're, you're not allowing your body to heal. Well, when you are a professional athlete, you're going to deal with a lot of inflammation because you're working out all the time. Now, this movement towards like more clean eating, like Russell Wilson, as an example, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And trust me, I will get into, you know, um, more talk related to women because I know the majority of people consuming this podcast are women. But because I have women examples also, but, you know, Russell Wilson, as an example, is eating 5000 calories of mostly whole foods. And, you know, in in the article that I read where he was talking about this, you know, he almost has to force himself to eat because the majority of the foods that he's eating are nutrient dense, not energy dense. Right. And professional athletes are not different than you and I in this regard, right? So, you know, more often than not, they've grown up with what most people think is an amazing metabolism. They don't really have an amazing metabolism. What they have is that they can eat anything that they want, right? And so, as many of you know, as long-term eat performers, just eating fuels that metabolism, right? And so. This is all a long way to say that Chad, who is being made a laughingstock, right, because he's advocating for McDonald's, is actually correct. He's not wrong, right? And actually, some of the sodium, that like hyper amounts of sodium that he would be eating, actually are going to deal with that inflammation more effectively because it's going to allow the nutrients to get into the cell better. A lot of these people, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Brandon Marshall, all these people eating super clean and eating lower sodium would not have a similar effect, right? So my, my female example would be um, a client of mine who runs ultra marathoners or ultra marathons. And we went through a, a fat loss cycle outside of... Um, outside of, uh, uh, you know, her training season, right? Which COVID was great for, you know, there's, there's this thing because everybody's talking about the COVID-19 and, and things of this nature. There were sort of two sides to that story, right? There were some people that, um, that did that. And then there were other people that really went all in on their fitness and paid like, you know, $5,000 for a squat rack and, you know, aftermarket money for a Peloton and such like this. So in the case of my ultra marathoner, um, we're now fully reversed. You know, she's close to 3000 calories and we're trying to get her up to about 3,500 calories, which we know she will respond to because I've been working with her for eight to nine years at this point. Um, 
we actually took her originally from about 190 to where she's at right now, which is the 149, 150 range, right? So she's like PRing everything. Also, by the way, she's postmenopausal. She is, you know, in her mid 60s. So, so all the things that people often use as the thing that they can't succeed because of, right, often are more or less just reasons that are kind of holding you back from where you want to go eventually, right? And so um, as we're bringing those foods back, I'm actually not really focused on carbohydrates. Her carbohydrates are fine. She's 300 club right? But what she needs is calories and fats give you calories, right? Because fats are calorie dense. And so when I'm dealing with like a real high-end athlete, this is very much not the standard, just so you know. The standard for most people is going to be high carb, reasonable to low fat, right? My endurance athletes, you know, I can't remember the guy's name. I think his name is Zach, but, but there's, there's huge incentives just so all of you know. So if you start to hear these kinds of things in the ether, this is why you're hearing it. There's huge incentives for someone that can make a low carbohydrate diet work with exercise, right? And there's a few examples. Um, like I said, there's one guy's name, Zach. I cannot remember his last name. I'm sure most people that are low carb know who he is because he's the one that's touted all the time. He does use carbohydrates around his workouts, but the majority of the time he's relatively low carb. Why would someone want to do this? Why would it be that, um, uh, you know, someone would want to work against nature, right? We know like long endurance events are carb intensive. You're going to bonk if you don't, you know, do them right. Things of this nature. Once again, he does use carbohydrates around the workouts, but you have to understand the incentives around being able to make a way of eating that a lot of people want to believe is the best way to eat, right? Also then work with exercise right? And we all know if you've ever done low carb around any type of intensity, it kind of sucks, right? But the part that he does have right is that higher fat part, right? Because it's not just about higher fat, right? And so I, you know, I haven't really followed the guy very much. I know he's the one guy that everyone, but what about that guy, right? And, and let me just be very clear about this. If you're eating 5,000 calories of fat, you're probably doing fine on a long endurance event, especially if you're mixing in carbohydrates, right? The majority of people though, aren't doing your level of exercise, right? Or they're using a different, like for instance, you can get away with fats. That's, that's what's happening with my ultra marathoner, right? We're getting fats higher because we need calories higher, right? And so um, the the amount you eat certainly matters a lot, right? And so so if you're dieting and trying to low carb and trying to lose weight and things of this nature, 
and trying to burn your calories, which, you know, we've talked about in a lot of podcasts, you know, the idea of burning calories is just a really, really bad idea because that's not how your body wants to work in exercise. The goal of exercise should be to get better at exercise. But my main point of all of this, because, you know, I'm giving all these examples and stuff like this, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone wants to focus on the carb piece, right? But fats are also really important. And the reason why you typically have to choose fats or carbohydrates is because both have calories, right? And so if you're trying to reduce calories, you got to pick one or the other. What I'm saying is, is as your calories normalize, as we're moving into you know, phases where you're doing, um, you know, you're, you're building, not only does your metabolism increase, but those calories from fats, as an example, make a really big difference. And so if you have any questions about that, I just thought that was an interesting topic because, you know, we often hear, oh, you know, well, one, if you're low carb, anything more than 50 is high carb, right? Which, which isn't fair, right? I've never heard anyone say, hey, you know, eat forms a moderate carb diet, right? You know, you're, you're always trying to paint someone one way or the other. You know, what people don't realize is that, you know, a lot of what we talk about related to, um, you know, what makes eat form work you know, has elements of, of moderate carb and has elements of, of relatively high fats, right? I mean, we have our low days. Those are low carb days, right? I've said that many times, right? But the problem is, is that if you're trying to eat as little as possible, whether that be low fat or low carb, you know, I do often think misery loves company. Right. And so what ends up happening is, is you become a zealot for this kind of bad idea. Right. And, you know, I have an article coming out this week on intermittent fasting and low carb and why you lose so much weight so fast. Right. And it's sort of the tortoise and hare relationship. Right. Is like, yeah, you're going to lose weight fast. But when you look at, you know, I mean, most on this call probably have done some level of low, uh, low carb or intermittent fasting. We all know, you know, you're very susceptible to rebounding like super hard, right? I'm not talking about like weight fluctuation. I'm talking about like 10 pounds coming back after a weekend in Vegas type stuff, right? So um, just something to think about. So I think I can actually cover the reverse dieting part relatively quickly so far. We don't have any questions in the chat, so I can go a little bit longer on the reverse dieting part if I don't have any questions, right? But um, so I'm going to assume that there aren't any questions um, as I go through this, but as questions start to come in, we can sort of adjust. But like I said, have a super hard stop at, at 1030 today. All right. So I thought the best way to explain kind of a more advanced idea related to reverse dieting. So, so, so when things start to come back, you know, one of the reasons why we probably are going to send you, I, I just described it, right. Where 
in the beginning, if you're reverse dieting, what we're going to want to do is make sure you're getting calories back, right? And the most calories are going to come from um, fats typically, right? And so um, we really kind of bump those fats up. Almost similar. Um, the fats, yeah, the, the, fat, the fats on a reverse right out the gate, you know, are, are 45. And then the carbohydrates are um, 80, right? And uh, it might, it, you know, for some people, it might end up being uh, 120. But it just kind of depends on the person. Now, I do think that for someone that has been, you know, um, in a diet cycle, the carbohydrates actually get get used more quickly, right? You start to begin to be a little bit more energetic. We want to kind of get some of that cortisol out of the system so that um, you you can sleep better if you haven't been sleeping better, but also you have more energy for the gym. Obviously, carbohydrates are great for that. And then as we move to sort of the higher level, then, um, you know, we will then kind of accelerate the fats. And it's not really accelerating so much as, you know, like in my ultra marathoners case, you know, the last three bumps she's gotten has been all fats, right? Because like I said, she's 300 club, you know. Um, for people that don't know what I'm talking about with 300 club, it just means that you have over 300 grams of carbohydrates. So we have a client right now that's in fat loss and she's really lean. And the thing that's sort of obvious, uh, I haven't talk to her that I was going to use her as an example, but I'm looking on, on the, the call and I already see a few examples of the example I'm about to describe, right? So in her example, um, we started fat loss at 145. Um, her last fat loss, which was like a year, year and a half ago, um, we got down as low as like 131, right? And so if you're familiar with the basic concept of eating performance, it's pretty simple, right? Is that as we're adding these foods, you're adding the ability to grow muscle. And so if you came from, let's say, a low-carb background and you're moving to more of a moderate-carb or as your um, intensity of your workouts go a little bit higher, where calories are a little bit higher, the ability to gain muscle in that instance is much better, right? And so we've we've seen, you know, a lot of the a lot of the the pictures that you see in the community group. You're like, wait a second, this person's saying they're only down five pounds, right? The reality is, is that they're down probably 10 pounds of fat, right? Because of the recomp. And there's two instances where you can grow a lot of muscle very quickly, right? So when you're new to exercise and you're activating all these muscles that you haven't used, right? You get what is called newbie gains. I think most people know that. What most people don't know is that when you've been over-restricted for a long period of time, as you bring back that food, 
and energy comes back and sleep comes back and recovery comes back, you're much more inclined for recon. So even in an overtrained, so I was looking at this meme on Instagram and it talked about the examples where, where you, you are more likely to gain muscle fast and then examples where you would not. And uh, the example that they used was someone that is used to training, right? So they've been training for a while, things of this nature, and they suggested that that person is not going to gain muscle really easily. The meme is coming from a place that is mostly a dieting place, right? So they're, they're, they have an element of reversing, but it, you know, it's like the criticism I make of most places, most places, right? So, you know, calories come all the way down to 1100, 1200, something of that nature. And then, you know, the, the customer gets to 1400 and that's where they think their maintenance is, right? Cause they're scared out of their mind to bring food back to where it really needs to be, which is closer to, like I always say, 2,500 for women and 20, uh, 3,000 for men. And I know as I'm saying this, most of you hate that. You hate me saying that, right? And I'm not saying to you that we're gonna get you to 2,500 or that we're gonna get you to 3,000. But what I'm saying to you is 1,400 is wrong. It is not right and it's not close. And that's what I need you to hear, right? And so when I look at the example that I'm talking about, so normally she was sitting at about 140, but there was like a trip to Vegas or something like this. And trip to Vegas, by the way, does not necessarily always mean the trip to Vegas. It just means like a weekend gone wild. So normally she was sitting 140 to 141 after weekend in Vegas, she's 145. Okay, no problem. So we do fat loss. Oh, by the way, the um, actually, I, I'm, I'm some of the details are coming back. It was like a bikini example. I don't know Vegas is a little bit of a bikini example, but um, but but everything in my power I had to use to get her to not diet before vacation, right? And. People, people are like, but I always want to diet when I'm on vacation. But the problem is, is when you diet on vacation and your calories are too low going into vacation, yeah, you get those three hours that maybe feel great, but the next five days, you know, you're going to feel bloated, right? There's going to be alcohol involved. There's going to be lots of different things. So yeah, you get that one picture, right? But that's it, you know? What I'm saying is if you can stay at the calories and then do it after, right? What happens after? Well, you've probably overconsumed a little bit, right? That's what that's what life's about. Life's about joy, life's about enjoying yourself. You know, so you want to be able to go to a vacation and enjoy yourself and eat relatively freely. And oh, by the way, if you've been over-restricted, what do you think's gonna happen when you start? I mean, it's not going to be one margarita. It's going to be six margaritas. And it's not going to be one plate of nachos. It's going to be all the plate of nachos, right? And so so that's another reason why you want to go to a vacation with your calories higher, right? And I know that that's difficult for people to hear sometimes. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
it, it really does come down to what is going to be best for your mentality. So if you're constantly trying to be small, you know, um, you're kind of missing the bigger picture, right? So right now, she is uh, 135. She's down 10 pounds. Um, and, you know, we're getting to that part where it's starting to get a little bit difficult related to, to fat loss, right? She's also like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, I don't have her stats right in front of me. Um, but this next part is the part that you guys aren't going to want to hear. <laughs> um, she's probably going to end up at 140 again, right? But here's the difference. Is that last time when we did it, she's probably got about five pounds more muscle on her frame. Right. So her number really has changed. And that's the discussion we're having right now is do we really want to go to round two when things are going to be really, really difficult? And the most we're probably going to get is like five pounds. Right. And I just want a lot of you to understand that fluctuation in general is for a reason right? We're trying to get your body to grow. Your body naturally wants to grow, right? And most of us are always fighting this, you know, if you're, you know, if you've reached the finish line, right? As in this case, she has, you know, the process just changes a little bit, but in the same way, you, you have to sort of be focused on what's the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that growth, right? It's the, it's the putting on muscle. It's the going to the gym with a purpose. It's all these different things, you know? And I mean, I'm looking at a few of you on this call right now that have reached your finish line. You just didn't know it, right? Because when you look at body composition and when you look at pictures and things of this nature, it's vastly different than what it used to be. You know, like recently I posted some of my before, before pictures and some of my after pictures and then a picture of me recently. Right. And, you know, what it took to get to 149, right. Um, I'm not a huge guy. just. So people, you know, I'm sure you're just seeing a head here um, and you're thinking, man, maybe this guy is seven feet tall. I'm not. I'm five, eight, you know. And so, so, you know, um, 149, somewhat reasonable. But to get to a level of lean where, you know, your people are really noticing as you age. Not only is it harder to do, I would probably argue against it. You know, um, I think the best way to get the better composition health in a healthy way is to really focus on that growth, really allowing your weight to be somewhat manageable, but usually probably 10 to 20 pounds higher than what you probably think it should be, you know, because. Like if you've never done it, that next 10 to 20 pounds 
is a lot harder. And then what happens? You get kind of focused on keeping it. That's part of the conversation I'm having with the example that I'm talking about now. Now, you know, I think we might end up stopping after fat loss one, right? So it would be reasonable at 135 for her to go, well, yeah, you know, 140, of course, I'm going to end up at 140 after a year, year and a half. And yes, I might have to manage my weight again, but it's really kind of these longer cycles. And so when we're coaching all of you, we're really hoping for kind of those longer cycles, right? And so um, I just want everybody to sort of keep that in mind that when you reach your end goal, right? Grasping on, like for her, grasping on the 130, you know, it is fool's goal. Now, throughout this whole time, you know, I've had to have conversations with her along the way, right? And this is someone that, most people would want to look like this person, right? But but all of your goals and all of you are individual, so much so that you get to have your own thought process, right? Her being a little bit upset because her weight's up, you know, to 138 when she's 15% body fat, you know, it, it might seem trivial to someone that's 250 pounds, but she has every right to feel that way about herself, right? I, I do take issue when, it, when there's discussions about happiness, right? I don't believe that weight and happiness should be tied together. In fact, I feel like, you know, the more you tie your weight to your happiness, the less likely you're going to be to get your, your end goals. Because what it's going to happen is you're going to be more inclined to do more extreme things. All right, so I think I've gone over that, but just remember that as you get leaner and as you hit those kind of really low points, you know, it really is going to be a lot about kind of weight management over long periods of time where that fluctuation might end up being a little bit more than, say, five pounds, right? And if you focus on the five pounds, you're going to be cutting every six months, right? And you're not going to be growing. You know, and we're never going to get those calories to where I talked about a little bit earlier. So, all right. So, Carolyn, um, can you go ahead and start reading me some of the the ones from chat? Yeah. Um, Melissa was asking, does macro timing during the day impact muscle growth for an everyday person? She does CrossFit three to four times a week and two times lifting. No. Um, it's more important if you're um, if you're Usain Bolt, right, um, or an extreme athlete or something of this nature. But the science very clearly shows that your body figures it out, right? Now, should you have acute energy? So there's kind of two different discussions here. There's there's the energy that has loaded into your body, which usually takes about 24 hours, and then there's the energy that you're eating so that you're comfortable in a workout, right? Because, you know, whether people want to admit it or a lot, and, and there's some science that actually shows that um, hunger is not necessarily correlated to, um, to working out. 
I take a little bit of issue there, right? But what I can definitely tell you is that if you come into a workout underfed, you know, so this is different than the 24 hour loading question. You know, for me specifically, um, I need to have like a, a small mixed meal about two to three hours before I go to the gym because I'm going to the gym to, to be at 100%, right? So in that instance, it would matter, but it would not necessarily matter in terms of uh, muscle development. It really matters on acute energy and having acute energy so that you can bang out a few more reps, things of that nature, right? So kind of keep that in mind. And I, it's, a, it's a simple question, so it doesn't require that much more. Uh, Jen's asking, she's in her last week of PR and going to fat loss next week. Um, she stuck to her greens throughout. What is the best thing I can do over the next week to get the best start out of my fat loss? Just continue as is or eat specific types of carbs or fats, etc. So she's going into fat loss so calories are reducing. Okay. So here's the, the, and I will tell you that your coach will sometimes tell you this, right? So what should I do for fat loss? Well, you might want to pull down your intensity. I am not a believer in that. I think that the intensity comes down naturally, right? And so you should react to the intensity changing. But is there value in trying to stick to the plan that you had before? You have to remember you're being tiered down. And I understand that if you were eating, you know, 3000 calories or 2,500 calories, and now all of a sudden you're eating, let's say 1800 calories, you know, it feels like, oh my God, everything's changed, right? Almost all the women on the planet are eating less than 1800 calories, right? And so I think we have this different perspective you know, because, you know, we understand the value of food. And so I think a lot of it ends up being psychological, where we talk ourselves out of the intensity and why it's because walking's easier, you know, and don't get me wrong, you will probably lose more weight um, walking and really not. I mean, it was a great example in the forums where, you know, you know, eight packed up, Rachel Egner, you know, she's like, I didn't work out, just walk. That's awesome, right? But she also has a lot of muscle, right? And so you have to kind of factor in, is your situation, her situation, right? And it probably isn't in a lot of instances, you know? And so I, I definitely try to hold off as long as I can you know, I don't particularly work out as much as many of you do, right? It's just, you know, after a while, you start to realize you just don't have to, you know, and that to reach your goals, you know, you can, you can be smarter rather than harder, you know, and I definitely went through that phase, you know, I've talked about it very openly that my harder phase, you know, was three times a day sometimes, you know, but once you kind of get there, you know, that was part of the series that I actually put up the other day where the pitcher where, you know, the Mudman pitcher, you know, that was a tough mutter for me. And, and I ran the tough mutter. 
I did, I mean, I, I think I fell on one obstacle, but, but I did all the obstacles and, and it was that moment where I went, you know, I'm done. I, I don't, I don't need this extreme exercise anymore. You know, I did it, you know, and, you know, I mean, my, my wife had a great moment this week, you know, I mean, obviously we all know our families aren't always the most supportive. They don't always understand kind of what we go through, things of this nature. So she has a brother that's like five years older than her. And, you know, he's not in phenomenal health. And I don't have any worry about him hearing about this, by the way, because no one in my family listens to my podcast, right? But he, you know, um, is older. Um, and you know, he's got a back thing and he's got a lot, and he, you know, he had a motorcycle accident. So, so some of it's real, right. It's not unreal, you know, but you know, he's like, well, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit to pick up this box. And my wife's like, no problem. <laughs> you know, she just picks up the box and, and goes and drops it in his car. You know, I, I think a lot of times we get so hyper-focused on, on, what we look like in the mirror, you know, um, and, and all this other stuff and, and sort of forget like how capable most of us are compared to the majority of people who are kind of lost in that low carb world and, you know, intermittent fasting world. And then they're, they're, they're not dieting super intensely, but then they diet intensely. Like my family gathering just basically comes down to the period that the people that are dieting on one side and the people that aren't dieting, you know? Um, and so uh, I think that's, that's something that we, we should all kind of keep in the back of our head that, you know, we're, we're on a, on a totally different track. Carolyn, what yep. do we got next? Uh, Aaron wanted to know, how do you know when you get to your end point? So there is no end point. That's easy. You know, the, um, I think that, you know, a lot of people's end point is a lot higher than, than they think it is. Right. So if you were to ask me, and I mean, I'm literally thought about this for like two seconds. So kind of keep that in mind. Um, but I can think of a few people just off of the top of my head that their end point is 220 pounds as a female, that's five, three, you know, your end point is wherever you need it to be. Right. And I think that, um, all of those examples that I talked about just now that their end points at 220, they're healthy people, right. They're not unhealthy people. Um, but you know, if you spend the majority of your life dieting with the wrong approach and, and, and you're 45, um, you know, of course you're going to go to the doctor and the doctor's going to say, well, your BMI is too high. You have to lose weight. You know, all of these people deal with that. Right. And those are very real um, things, you know, cause the doctor's just trying to be helpful, but you know, they're also putting pressure on this person who's already maybe lost 80 pounds, right? Um, I mean, I was just talking about one of the better stories that I've ever had, you know? And the person went from 400 pounds to 235 pounds. 
And at 235 pounds, she joined Eat Reform. And she is now 260. And she is the most healthy that she's ever been, right? She is much more likely to age into, you know, her body a lot better, right? And has a lot more muscle in that process. And so, so the endpoint is very different for every single person, right? And don't get me wrong. I mean, she's definitely tried to get to 200. We've done that many times, but, but at this point, you know, it's about aging, right? And doing aging right, you know? And I think for a lot of people, if, if you're a doctor and the doctor is saying, well, your weight's too high and BMI and all this other type of stuff, if you, if you get good blood work, right? That's really what the health equation is. I mean, you know, there's a strong argument that if you're overweight and you're active, you're doing way more for your health than just focusing on losing weight. I'm not saying losing weight isn't a factor for some people. I know for me, it was a factor, but I was a bit younger. At 65, you know, I think I would probably be more focused on, on being physically capable and physically able and getting to 90, you know, than I would be trying to get to 150 like I did, you know, when I was 40. You know, so I think the rules of that change. I know everybody wants kind of an answer. Um, I mean, if you if you uh, if you tell me, so like as an example, Erin, I don't know if she's still there. What's her height? I'm five six. Okay, so five six. I would say the range is going to be. So, so this, I'm just talking in generalities, right? Um, and uh, that on the low end of the range, so if we're kind of trying to guess at set points and things of this nature, that would be about 130, right? And then if we were looking at the high side where, you know, you've seen five, six people that are 160 with abs, obviously they're doing fine, right? So I think that, you know, you have to figure out where you are on that range. And so like, as an example, let's say that, you know, I, I, I'm not really a huge ab guy, right? I think a lot of people focusing on abs too much actually never end up with that, right? Because they never build the muscle required. Um, but I think if you're trying to stay at 130 at 5'6", it's going to be pretty hard, kind of dependent on the person. Some people could get away with it. Um, I, I think most five, six people that, that we see probably land about 145 to 150, but I, don't be constrained by those thoughts, right? If you're 190, right? I mean, your grandmother might've been a Swedish farmer, you know? And, and you know, you're doing fine at 190. Right. So you have to kind of keep all those things in mind as we're having these discussions. Also, where are you in the age process? Right. So as you age, you have to understand it's going to be much harder to chase optimal body composition, which is why my argument is we chase optimal health. Right. All right. We're going to have to do these next ones relatively quickly.
Okay, we've got Susan asking, so if your biggest workout day is Saturday, should high day be Friday? Yes. Um, well, so are you saying, she means super day. Yeah, super. Yeah, so th that's um, that's what I do. My, my super day is on Friday and my biggest workload is on Saturday, sometimes Sunday. But, but remember what I said, you need 24 hours for that food to load, so that's why you do it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, one of your, um, Nellie's asking one of your podcasts, you stated that it is recommended to do both fat loss cycles or else you rinse and repeat. She's finishing fat loss one now and would like to focus on lean muscle and feel good at her current weight. Um, do some only do fat loss one with great results. So I just gave you an example. I have two examples right now that are currently going through things and um, they're probably just going to do fat loss one. I think you have to, I think you answered the question with your question, right? Because you said you want to maintain that weight, right? That's the problem, right? So if you, if you, if you're looking, so, so I don't know what you weigh, right? But if you weigh 145 right now, and you're trying to stay 145, you got to hit 140, right? Because you have to give yourself enough room so that as your weight fluctuates, you're not constantly wanting to jump back into fat loss. Because I know from the picture we saw this week that you're doing fine, right? And you've already lost a lot of weight, you know? So my argument would be that if you're feeling like, man, I've been dieting for the last five years and I really like to beast mode up this summer, there's no reason you can't, right? Like, you know, I say this a lot, you know, to people that as we're kind of consulting with them, you know, in my mind, you know, you're either, it's very rare that I'm going to suggest that someone go through a fat loss cycle during the summer. I think summer's for fun, you know, like spring and summer, you should be enjoying, you know, and so, so from that perspective, I don't want to be, you know, around Sarah Hoffman, who's having some drinks and I can't have drinks. You know what I mean? Um, I don't actually drink, but um, the, uh, but, but, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you have to kind of pick and choose your fun. And so the thought of, of going through half the summer, you know, when you're doing fine, I mean, you put up that picture in the group and everybody's like, oh my God, great work. You know, like, I think a lot of us hear those things, but don't feel them. Right. And I think, I think if you feel, if you felt it, you know, you'd give yourself a, a, you know, more grace and then allow yourself to do the more correct thing. And so if you feel that way, I mean, a coach is going to, by the way, you know, really sort of push you to go all the way, right? Because we do know that, you know, people will end up frustrated, but, but go back to the example that I said earlier, right? It, it, you know, oftentimes, I'm trying to think of a good example of this, but, but best example is just explaining it the way it is. If you lose 80 pounds, oh, no, I've got the best one. You go to a casino, right? You get on a hot streak. You win $2,000, right? You lose 500. More people lose 3,000 that way than ever, right? Because they chased that 500 that they lost, but they were up 2,000, right? 
And that's your situation. If you've already lost like 80 pounds, you know, or some dramatic weight loss, you know, gaining five pounds back or even 10 pounds back, you know, is really not that big of a deal in the long run. Now, as someone who lost a lot of weight, I definitely get that what goes on in your brain is I'm going to gain it all back. It's like, first of all, five to 10 pounds is not 80, right? And so we have to sort of keep that in mind. But also remember what I talked about earlier. You're more inclined to build muscle in that situation, right? Just from being, you know, underfed or whatever. So hopefully that helps. And then you can make the right decision. But if I was you, I, I, I would tell my coach, put me in recon. You know, it's summer. I'm here to have a good time. Uh, Annalise is asking, I, I know a broken metabolism is actually rare, but have you ever coached a woman with one years of keto and dieting has I'm sure done damage to mine. I feel I have to work so hard and drop so low in calories to get a drop in weight. So you're not very low in calories. You know, I know I'm your coach. Um, not in comparison to other people, right? I've said to you many times, and I think you, I think you, you know, I, I wish I had a little bit more time to kind of go over this, but um, I, you're, you're the same height as my wife, right? And, you know, if you look at your pictures when you came in, you know, low carb, and then obviously now, you, you just look different. Like your face, like looking at you on the camera right now, is different, right? It's, it's like the face of a lean person. I, I think what happens is that we kind of get these thought processes of, of in our minds, right? Of what we're supposed to weigh. And then genetically, we don't necessarily think of like what our shape is. I, you know, I, I say this about guys versus women, right? Guys tend to be either big or small, right? Women come in all shapes and sizes, you know, and in a way, I think, you know, it's not always helpful mentally for many of you out there because you see a shape and you're like, oh, she's beautiful. You know, I don't look like that necessarily. Maybe you aspire to it. Maybe you don't, you know, but I think the best way for me personally is I tend to look at other people in other situations with a happiness in my own heart, right? That, that I, you know, enjoy who I am. I love who I am. You know, there's no one going to mistake me for Brad Pitt. Uh, I would certainly, by the way, like to look like Brad Pitt. He's a very good looking guy, but man, dude's got problems, right? Cause he's so good looking, you know, but I'm obviously kidding there. You know, but I think that jealousy or, or envying other situations. Um, and it's also so, okay, so I, I have to go. Um, otherwise, my wife's going to kill me, right? But the other day, you know, so I, I have a rule in my household. I'm going to end on this note. Hopefully, everybody appreciates that. Um, and then Carolyn and Becky, if you if we have some questions, try and get it to me and I'll see if I can answer them. So I 
if I think a positive thing about another person, I tell them that. A lot of times in a grocery store to a complete stranger, right? Like, oh my goodness, where'd you get that shirt? That is so cool, right? Or um, something of this nature. With my wife and daughters, if I think something, I typically say it, right? Especially as it relates to positivity. Anytime I look at my wife's body and think, you know, wow, <laughs> you are amazing. I love your body. I say it. And I think that, you know, and even though I don't audibly say it to myself, I will say that I spend a lot more time in front of the mirror than you might think, right? And those are affirmational, you know? And I think that if you're, you know, talking to your husband and you think to your husband, you know, or a mate or, or a friend or whatever, and you're like, your hair looks great. You know, I'm loving the way that blouse fits on you, you know? Um, Whenever you, whenever you can put more, you know, currency in the bank, you know, you should do it every single time. And you're going to go, so you go, oh, Paul said that. And, and I really want to do that. And then you, you get to this situation and you, you can see your best friend's lats in the back of her shirt, right? Something that she probably never thinks about, you know? And then you go to do it and then you don't because it's kind of embarrassing right? Do it. You know, we all need that, you know, and we all, especially the people that you love, the people that you love, you know, reinforce that body positivity, right? Because it's just so, so important. All right. Speaking of body positivity, I would like to keep mine. So I'm going to let everyone go. I really appreciate everyone being here. And uh, we got a lot of these questions late. This is why we need to get those questions a little bit earlier next time. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll still work to try and get you the answers to those, but uh, talk to everyone later. Bye now.